Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Tracks, Disc 3. Hey everybody, and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, the only podcast where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, or at least we did. Now we're talking about the albums. I'm J.B. Clark. I'm joined as always by Rob Carmack. Hey, J.B. Rob, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I just climbed a mountain. Why do you feel like you just climbed a mountain? I just feel like we have to like really get up. We have a big mountain to get over just to get into the show every every time we record. <laughs> oh, just like technical things or just yeah. like all the introductory, just like the... All the introductory stuff. <laughs> yeah, the the front door deals. We can't we can't just like hit record and just be like, okay, so let's just talk about Cynthia. What do you want to do? You know, like we have to we have to do the whole rigmarole every single time. Yeah, we gotta do the whole thing. Yeah. Hopefully our recording issues are resolved. So if last week if you if you were bothered by the sound quality last week, so uh, uh many apologies around, but uh, hopefully we got we got that resolved. So yeah. we're we're in our third week of talking about tracks, JB, and the, the basic facts have not changed about this box set. It's a four disc box set released in nineteen ninety eight. Bruce Springsteen and uh, one of his longtime producers slash collaborators, whose name has escaped me. Is it John Cobb? I can't remember now. Oh my gosh, it's in. Go who back he, and look. What? Who he recorded it with? Who like the the person that brought over all the tapes and he like helped him curate it. Who cares? I'm double checking. Okay. Um. But anyway, so they they found 350 in 1998. They found 350 songs that had been recorded but unused, and they whittled it down first to 100 and then to 66, and decided we're going to put out a giant box set of all the stuff that we didn't release or that got put on a B side of a single or in in like alternate takes or demo takes of of various songs, and then we got uh, tracks. The 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 fans were rewarded were were gifted with. This this giant box set. So here we are. So now we've we've done tracks disc one, which we talked about as like this is an interesting kind of artifact. There's some good stuff here. We talked about tracks tracks disc two, as Stephen Van Zant referred to as the best E Street Band album, which I think we would not necessarily agree with, but it's pretty good. And now today, JB, we're talking about tracks disc three. Yes, uh, who Toby Scott helped him. Toby put Scott. What did I say? John Cobb. I John think jo- Cobb. I think John Cobb, or no, Dave Cobb is uh, Jason Isbell and Brandy Carlisle's. Yeah, producer. that's Dave Cobb. It's Dave Cobb. Good job, Dave Cobb. That's <laughs> good job, Dave Cobb. That's Sturgill. what Sturgill. That's what uh, somebody calls him. Yeah, Sturgill. Is that what Sturgill calls him? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I heard Jason Isbell say it when he was talking about the record. Great job, Dave Cobb. So anyway, <laughs> great job, Dave Cobb. That, yeah, that's that's what it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, th- that person is not in any way involved in uh, the curation of tracks. That was say his name again. Great. Uh, oh, that was uh, Scott. Um, Toby Scott. Um, Toby Scott. Toby Scott. Yeah, nowhere near Dave Cobb. Anyway, not great. Not great job, Dave Cobb. No. So um, last week we talked about. The tracks this too as not the river, and basically it's it's a bunch of stuff that ended up on the river box set. Tracks this three is not born in the USA. So one day, JB, I'm predicting, I'm looking out into the future. I've got my my crystal ball in my hand, and I'm looking out, and I'm seeing one day there will be a massive multi disc box set with really cool artwork, never before seen photos of the tour and the recording sessions, probably a documentary to go along with it. The history of Born in the USA, and something tells me that most of the stuff that we have on disc three will also be included in that box set, and we will be expected to pay eighty dollars for it. Yeah, and that box set will be called like something like "Rock Away the Days." Yeah, that's the, probably right. <laughs> you know, or like "This Hard Land," the Born in the USA sessions. This and there Hard will Land be... is a really good prediction for what this is going to be called. Yeah, or yeah. the Wish. Yeah. Oh, the wish is uh, from Tunnel of Love, so we're gonna have to hold back on that. One. Oh yeah, that's a good point. But, and then uh, yeah, stand and, on it. Yeah, and there will be like a fifty-six minute documentary that's mostly him sitting outside of his garage playing uh, his guitar. <laughs> that's probably right. There's gonna be some stuff about like Nebraska. Like we thought we thought he was coming in with an album, but it wasn't. It wasn't the album we were expecting. It's gonna be all of those things. We've seen this. We've been. Um, it, we, we've seen the future, and the future's yeah. nothing new. So, um, any, anyway, I, I say that. It sounds very cynical when we say it. And maybe it is a little bit. But at the I, same time... I'm going to love every second of it, and I'm going to go see the tour. Yeah, that's absolutely what's going to happen. 
<laughs> so I mean that's 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 what's next. That's what's going to yeah. happen next. That's in in the Bruce Springsteen. If we're if we're treating it like a legacy act, we got the Darkness on the Edge of Town box set in 2010. Then we got the River box set in 2016, and uh, probably in 2021, pandemic notwithstanding, we'll we'll be getting the Born in the USA box set slash tour pretty soon is my guess. So when all that to say. A lot of the songs that we're going to talk about today will be songs that will also be included on that box set. Yeah. Because and, Bruce and recorded... we'll look back after seeing the tour. We'll look back, you know, five years from then, and we'll all think that My Love Will Not Let You Down is... A, we'll all like it more than we already do. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, that'll be one of, like, the uh, the classic deep cuts that all Bruce fans like. It's like, my, we'll just be like, My Love, La, 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 yeah. La, 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 Anyway, um, you can hit. Love. Love, I let you down. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got stuck in a cul-de-sac of love, 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 love. Um, anyway, so that that's kind of, so most of the stuff that we're gonna be looking at today, with a couple of songs uh, as outliers, are gonna have come from the Born in the USA sessions, uh, because Bruce recorded reportedly over eighty songs during those sessions, and obviously didn't use most of them when he put out the album so this is even though this is a full disc of tracks give or take a song this is still just like a fraction of the stuff that he put out or that he put together. Yeah. so so that box set that we're talking about that's coming in the future one day um we'll, we'll still have some stuff that we've never heard before probably right which is why we'll pay 80 dollars for it because there'll be like five songs that'll be like what <laughs> We'd never heard that one before. Why is this one off the record? This yeah. is the best song ever. That's probably yeah. This could have been a big single. This could have been this could have been the number one. Um, although I, part of me kind of doubts that that's going to be the case because this is the one time when after recording all eighty songs, John Landau said to Bruce, "We still don't have a lead single." So <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it, so it's possible. It's possible. Can we you actually believe have Nils let him cut that guitar solo? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's more believable. That is believable for sure. So, yeah. Anyway, so let, let's just get to it. Let, let's talk about some of these songs, JB. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, track one, disc three, is Cynthia. Yeah. We did not love it's, this song. Uh, it's it. You know, it's fun. <laughs> it's a it's a Roy Orbison catcalling song. Yeah, I mean, and it fit. It could, you know, it fits on the Born in the USA theme, you know. Does it? So. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess it does. It's sort of in the same vein as like Darlington County, like you know, yeah, the like not not too terribly sympathetic person ogling a woman and giving, just sort of like her a name. disco Americana. What disco Americana? That's kind of the whole vibe. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, in fact, the number of songs that Bruce wrote for other artists or gave away to other artists, I'm really surprised he never once picked up the phone. I was like. Uh, Roy Orbison, would you care to record this song? Because it sounds more like you than it does like me. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Plotkin, producer on this record, did not like this song, even though Bruce and reportedly Stephen Van Zandt both really advocated for it. They both really liked the song. And of course, little Stephen likes the song. He still, I mean, he'll, he'll he still like fights for it to be in set list. Like he really he he digs this. And which I mean, again, it's a it's a Roy Orbison throwback. Anything that feels like a throwback is a little Stephen. It's it's them throwing a bone to little Stephen. And Stephen yeah. and and it took two years to make Born in the USA. So for the first half of those sessions, Stephen is in the booth working as a producer. And then about the midway point, he leaves. He quits the band and leaves the um, the project. So uh, this this is while he's still around. Uh, it, in one of the earliest track listings for the album, the first three tracks were supposed to be as follows. So when, when they were putting it all together and they were trying to figure out how to track this album, it was going to be track one, Born in the USA, track two, Cynthia, and then track three, None But the Brave. How do you feel about that as the first three songs on this alternate universe album, JB? Uh, it's not bad. Yeah. You know? It's not as good as what it is I I, no. I say that I like none but the brave more than I like Darlington County, but I don't like Cynthia more than I like Cover Me. Right. Yeah. If we're if we're just doing like a one to one swap. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. So there's I'm, a plus and there's a minus. Yeah, and I I'm, I wouldn't say I I'm not saying that this would have been a bad track list. I, I but again, Cynthia is nowhere near as good a song as Cover Me, in my humble opinion. Although I think both of them probably actually now that now that you say the thing about. Uh, the the theme. I think Cynthia might have thematically worked a little bit better if, if he was just trying to to string these songs together in a theme. Cynthia is probably a better pick than Cover Me, even though I think Co Cover Me overall is a better song. Right, right. Because Cover Me, as we talked about before, when we talked about this 
this album. Cover Me doesn't really fit the theme of Born in the USA. Born in the USA, in a lot of ways, is about sort of the underdog, the down and out, the poor in spirit, if you will. And uh, Cover Me is just a straightforward disco love song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cynthia could just be some some loser standing on a street corner hollering at some woman he doesn't know calling her Cynthia just because he's just given her a name. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Cynthia. Or it could be someone more genuine who feels like, you know, they have real love and it won't let them down. Ooh, I love that transition. So track two. My All about a good transition. <laughs> I know you are, man. Juxtaposition and good transitions. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, my love, Bruce's love will not let you down. Uh, again, Born in the USA outtake. Uh, this song, they ended up playing this song a bunch on the 1999-2000 reunion tour shows because, I mean, tracks had relatively recently been released. And so they were, so it's interesting that he decided to open the shows, a lot of the shows, including Live from New York, which is uh, the the concert film and CD, are open with this. Um, but yeah, they end up playing the song a bunch and not unlike Cynthia or not unlike Cover Me. Thematically, it doesn't really fit with Born in the USA's main concept, although it is, I think it's a fine pop song. It would have worked yeah. just fine as, as track two, also thematically speaking. I kind of love it. I, I bet it's a banger if you see it live, you know? Oh, absolutely. Shot out of a cannon. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just drives so hard. Yeah, it does. And there's some awesome guitar stuff. Why do you feel like he left this off? Because obviously he know. did like it. But why well, Yeah, why leave it off? Maybe he didn't think like the chorus would play as well. Like a it's kind of a wreck of it, you know? But yeah. it's not quite as good as the other ones on the record. So maybe it's like he didn't want it to compete with those. Yeah. That sounds right. And it, it I don't is, know, though. Yeah. I don't know. Cause, I the mean, guitar solo rules. It would have been. Yeah, it's cool. And it would have been fine. I mean, Born in the USA is a you know, famously very strong album, and I, I don't think this would have weakened it. No. Not at all. No. I think I, 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 think I gave it a three, but I, maybe like a four on this. I don't remember what I gave it. You I gave should... it a four. Okay. That sounds right. I'm, I'll, I'll stick with that. I'm amending it right now. It's a four. It's a great okay. song. So we're straight fours on this? Yeah. Yeah, I straight fours. Yeah, I mean just gauging like how excited I'd be if he did it live. I'm 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 at a four. Oh. I wouldn't lose my mind, but I'd be I'd be pretty dang excited. I'd, yeah, I'd be shouting in the chorus for sure. Oh, for sure. Um it I, in fact, something tells me on the on the re- reunion tour box set uh they'll the or the, the the box set reunion tour, they'll probably pull this one out. Mm-hmm. I would guess. I say that. They might but, open with it. Yeah, they very well might. I'll uh, meet me in the city. Yeah. Um, and then we've got track three, which is This Hard Land. This is a, again, Born in the USA outtake. It was re-recorded for the Greatest Hits uh, CD in 1995. This is a very Woody Guthrie-ish song. I'm not totally surprised that he left it off the album, although this is a really good song. Yeah, it, it doesn't quite fit the, the feel of the album, but it's a great, great song. Yeah, it's a lot folkier than everything else on Born in the USA. Like, Born in the USA clearly was looking for that stadium rock kind of feel, and this just mm-hmm. wasn't going to fit. It, it would have stuck out pretty hard. But on the original, I say that, on the original 1982 track listing, this was the closing song on the whole album. This this had the My Hometown slot. Oh, wow. Yeah, it would have been pretty good. But, I mean, Plotkin yeah. says he always had a vision that My Hometown would close the, the record. So... Um, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised that my hometown won out. Even though I would totally have fought, I, I would not have minded at all if this had been the closing track. No, not at all. What did we give it, this? What what were our ratings? Nice. We were both four and a half on it. Okay, yeah, that's about. It. Are you still yeah. a four and a half? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. I'd be stoked to hear him do this one also. Yeah. This is one. I'm I am a little bit surprised this one never. Well, I say that like because I'm trying to think of the other albums that he put out. Um. I guess it really wasn't going to fit on. Obviously, it wouldn't fit Tunnel of Love or Lucky Town or Human Touch. So, really, the closest thing he could have gotten to would have been the Ghost of Tom Joad. And it's too much for the Ghost of Tom Joad. Yeah, that's probably right. He would have had to pull. I mean, other than like Youngstown, I guess he could have re-recorded it in that style. Which I, I mean, he kind of yeah. did do for the great. So maybe the greatest hit CD was the best place for it because right. You know, <laughs> yeah, he had to. He had to put some new stuff on that and. I mean, it's it's certainly better than murder and murder murder murdering murder incorporated yeah um yup yeah man any any new thoughts on this one no nah, i don't really have anything new on it it's just really nice yeah we're just burning through these and then um a personal favorite of mine i don't believe you enjoyed this one as much as me track four which is frankie yeah i like it this is another born in the usa say yeah. what 
I wasn't a five on it. You were a five. I was a three. I yeah, like I'm, I'm still a five on it. I really like this. This song goes all the way back to the Darkness on the Edge of Town sessions, and they started doing this one live in 1976. I think there were there were a lot of expectations that this was going to end up on Darkness. And then it. this is one of the few songs, and we talked about this a long time ago when we did the, this episode. This is one of the few songs in Bruce's catalog that he wrote for one album, didn't use, and then brought it back out for other albums for consideration, but ultimately never did. Like it got, it got a couple of shots. It, it could have been ended up on Darkness. It could have ended up on Born in the USA, and ultimately he just never used it. So, which is why yeah. it ends up on the um, on on the box set. But I, man, I dig this song. I think I think it's very very good. Yeah, it's good. It drags a little bit, but once it once it kicks out the you know sort of the ending, it's really great. So, yeah. In fact, if you go there, there are several cuts of this live from from various shows throughout the year. If you go watch, it's pretty great like watching i mean not surprisingly the bruce springsteen and the Eastry band really bring this one to life in ways that yeah. perhaps you don't necessarily you're, you're we're not able to hear on the on the box set recording but right but it is good i i, I like it in fact that this is i, I mean I, I realize we're going fast and if you just jumped on for the the album slash box set you're like you're, you're barely scratching the surface we did we did 30 minutes on this song like a couple of years ago you can find it back in the feed so yeah we did we went through the lyrics and everything i think it's great i dig it um any new thoughts on this one no it's good it, i just uh you know if it was a little more concise i'd be way more into it that's that's probably right i think because it's like seven ish minutes long and it, seven and a half minutes yeah, it could i think it could have been a five minute long song and been pretty good so yeah uh, and then I say I gave it a five. I'm I'm already a five on it, but I it, it would it would be easier to defend in album contention if it had been five minutes. Yeah, for sure. Then uh, track five, we've got TV movie. Uh, JB, I don't believe you, and I liked this song very much. No, I was a one, you were two. It's a real you know, it's a real fun little sock hopper, but you know, like Elvis song, but it's just you know, there's nothing special about it. There's nothing to it. It's yeah, just like a rockabilly Muzak. It's it's one of two. It's there's two in a row right here that that sort of fit that description. Yeah. And then um yeah, th- this is sort of Bruce's attempt thematically to write a song about the futility of fame and it, it, uh not again, not his best work. La- I mean basically th- he he does here not very successfully what he will later do with Local Hero in my opinion much more successfully. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's just this is another song where he takes a metaphor and just really runs it into the ground. That's very true. I didn't think about that in, in in those terms, but you're right. This is sort of the dollhouse of these sessions where it's just like, yeah, what if what if I just take one image and I just like wear it completely mm. out? Yeah. yeah. Every track's disc has to have a dollhouse. <laughs> what's what's disc one? What, what's the dollhouse? I don't know. One? I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's certainly not Bishop Dance. No one. I mean, <laughs> no one knows what's going on there. I don't know. Maybe there's not one on disc one. Maybe we can invite the patrons to go on Slack and tell us what they think. Yeah. In, on what song on disc one and tracks does Bruce just belabor a metaphor to a point where it just means nothing anymore? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Give us some thought. So if we stay in the Elvis throwback rockabilly sound, track six, we've got Stand On It, which is another Born in the USA outtake. Yeah, they really don't sound a whole lot different. You can skip forward uh, and not notice too much. But I think Stand On It's a much better song. Yeah, I think it is. It's also featured on the soundtrack for the for the movie Ready Player One. Oh, I think I missed that. Did you see the movie? Yeah. If you if you go watch the movie, there, there's a scene where the main character I don't remember his name, but the main character orders like a bunch of new equipment, and when it gets there, it's like yes, he's, he's, he's like he's. leveling up, and when he's opening the he's unboxing all of his new equipment, they're playing stand on it, which feels very like in in relation to the entire rest of the movie, it feels that that feels so misplaced. I mean, I'm always delighted when I hear a Bruce Springsteen song show up in a soundtrack, yeah. but I thought like what like why? But I mean, turns out not surprisingly, Steven Spielberg, who's the, the director of the film is a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. In fact, I think he's good friends with Bruce Springsteen. And so, um, and so I think he just always wanted to use that song somewhere and just decided like, I'll just, I'll just throw it on here. It would have been fine. But really, if he'd been thinking more clear headedly about it, he probably would, should have used like something from the back to the future soundtrack, you know, or some, something that was a little bit more overtly throwbacky, which is what that movie is. Yeah. Than a, an obscure Bruce Springsteen song from a 1998 box set. <laughs> But I mean, I say that I'm not going to complain too hard when a Bruce Springsteen song shows up. It just felt like that. That that song makes no sense in that scene. 
Right, a little out of place, out of date, out of time. Very much so. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. He's Steven Spielberg, so he's going to do what he wants. So any, so you think this is a stronger song than TV movie, if you've got to have one yeah. LBC song here? I, I just like, it's sort of like a, the Come On Baby Stand On is like sort of some, you know, it's like a nice charge. It's like, you know, the TV movie is just a, you know, a metaphor that they beat to death. So this one's more, you know, this is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I if if... If we were cutting this one down, as we've t- attempted to do hypothetically with the other discs, if we were trying to make this into a single album with like 12 to 14 songs, a TV movie you could definitely cut. I, I wouldn't mind keeping Stan on it. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, of of the songs that we've covered so far, I think TV movie is the only one that I would say, like, for sure, just get rid of it. You know, even right. even Cynthia. I can, I, can, yeah. I can see the merits of Cynthia, even though I don't love it. Um, I, I understand that there are people who do and that it, it does have a sentimentality that people tend to enjoy yeah then you've got track seven which i probably would also cut here uh which is lion's den this is yeah yet another born in the usa outtake the bass is nice it it feels like born in the usa but i don't know there's not a ton going on musically it's i mean uh lyrically it's a bible song yeah i love the uh bass what what is the bass what what do you hear going on with the bass that that makes it interesting it's just driving underneath everything. The song just comes in with ba bum ba bum ba bum ba and it just stays on that. It's you know, it's like uh it just keeps driving that one note and it keeps you going. Uh, I I remember like looking into like where has he done the song live and it's not very many places. It he I think I think the only times he ever does it is when he's playing near a school where their mascot is a lion. Uh yeah. Like I think there's there's a place in Pennsylvania he's played a couple of times where he's opened the show with this. So it's mm. it, it is fully just a novelty song as far as the set list is concerned. Yeah, I don't really have much. Like I like I said, I think we covered this pretty thoroughly when we talked about it. So so let me ask you: if, if you're producing this as the next like Bruce Springsteen single disc thing, and you have to like trim some fat, do you keep Lion's Den or do you get rid of no, it? No, no, I, I get rid of it. Yeah, and then you've got the next song, track eight, which is Car Wash, another Born in the USA outtake. Yeah, you like this one a lot more than I did. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I, I mean, it's looking back on. I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. It's. It is. It's it, the thing that makes it kind of different is that it is. It is sung from the perspective of a female narrator, which is not a thing you get from a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs. Yeah, I do probably like this song more than most Springsteen fans. I, th- I think this is generally regarded as just a toss away. In fact, even even if I was going to curate this as a single disc album, I don't know that I can make a strong enough argument to keep it. Right. But yeah, it's about a woman working at a car wash in Los Angeles. Oh, it's it's uh, set on the West Coast, which is unusual for a Bruce Springsteen song pre-1987. So right. it's so yeah, it's about a woman working at a car wash in Los Angeles. I, rem- I remember you and I on the air, we Googled the because it gives you the address like at the corner of I can't remember. But and we Googled it. And it turns out there is Sunset a, and Vine. Sunset and Vine. It, there's a Chipotle there, which I think we predicted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so there's not actually a car wash at that. I'm sure it's different by now. That's possible. Um, so, and maybe it's because I've been watching a lot of David Lynch lately, but this song was making me think really hard of uh, Mulholland Drive because it's it's about mm. the the movie is about a young actress who dreams of making it big, but the results are pretty terrible. And this song is about a young woman who wants to be a singer who dreams of making it big. And I think everyone in her vicinity kind of knows, like, man, it's probably not going to happen. Like you're the Right. You know, it's the the thing you think is going to happen is very unlikely. And so it kind of it kind of struck a chord in that vein, just, I mean, just because that's where my head has been lately. But I don't know. It's I mean, again, it, it's about the pursuit of fame. So it, it, it makes an interesting sort of contrast with TV movie. Like you've got Car Wash, which is people, someone who's pursuing fame. And TV movie is about someone who has achieved fame and found it to be wanting. And they're both from the same yeah. sessions. But the uh, yeah, I got. The um, sorry, I just totally had a brain fart. Oh, you're good, man. The, it gets so sad for something so short and sort of upbeat. The ending is super sad. Yeah, it really is. It's it's not yeah. a. I mean, I guess that's not unlike a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs because it kind of lulls you in with like a lighthearted upbeat. Which I mean, I guess that makes it a little similar to like Working on the Highway or Darlington County. Yeah. Um, where it's it it feels really like upbeat and kind of boppy, and then you you get to the end of the story, and you're like, oh, I don't like how that went at all. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, you're right. It is a little sad. Yeah. 
Speaking of sad, how do you feel about Rock Away the Days? This is a super sad song. <laughs> <laughs> this is track nine, also a Born in the USA outtake. Yeah, this is a good song. Uh, so, I think I'm a three and you're a three and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. It might be better than that. I don't know. It's good. I mean, yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. I don't need it. It's long. Yeah, it, it, it does feel like one of those that it could have been trimmed a little bit and it would have been okay. A lot of verses. Yeah. Let me ask, would you, would you keep this on, on the trim, trim down on the curated version? Mm, it'd probably be like, uh, towards the end of the list, you know? Yeah. It's like first in, first out. Yeah, I can see that. Um, cause yeah, I'm kind last of on in, the, first out. Yeah, I'm on the last one. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a little on the fence about it too. Like I, I'm, I'm not turned off by it. I just don't care. You know, like it just yeah. is sort of like a yeah. I, I get, I, I'm interested. Like it has it has a lot of elements that I enjoy. It just like you said, it just sort of like wears out its welcome. Yeah, it's it steals a lot of uh, sort of instrumental um, like themes from a lot of other songs. You know, so mm-hmm. it's got a lot of like it rips off a lot of like yacht rock lit. <laughs> yeah it does it has it, it's paced yeah. out like a lot of the yacht rock also yeah uh speaking but, of yeah speaking of songs that borrow elements from other songs let's talk about track 10 which is brothers under the bridges 83 brothers under the bridges 83 another born in the usa outtake most famous for not being no surrender <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the beat on this song which is like Descri- describe Brothers Under the Bridges 83 to me. Uh, it's not No Surrender. I'll tell you that right it's now. It's definitely not No Surrender. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with Brothers Under the Bridge, which shows up on the next disc. Uh, different song right. entirely. Very About similar. Brothers and Bridges. Well, one's about Brothers and Bridges, and the other one's about Brothers and a Bridge. Correct. Yeah. There's like This this song has many bridges. The other song has a single bridge. But yeah. Many, but still many brothers. Those, that's, the, that's where the similarities are. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is sort of Bruce showing his early work, leading up to what would become No Surrender, because it's got a lot of the same kind of ideas and imagery, uh, but it is in no way as good a song as No Surrender. Right. I don't know. You other, know. Say what? No, nah, it's cool. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not No Surrender. Man, we're just kind of plowing through this, aren't we? Well, there's 18 of them, so that's a good point. <laughs> 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 you're making a you're making an excellent point. Obviously, yeah. I think I think if we're if we're trimming this down, I think Brothers Under the Bridges can probably be probably the first go. to go. Yeah, like yeah. this is the one I think you can make the this is the one you need the least for for several reasons, but uh not the least of which being that it is so reminiscent of No Surrender that we right. are, we already have that one, so we don't need another one. Then uh track 11, Man at the Top, another Bruce or uh, Born in the USA outtake. This is Nils Lofgren's Favorite song ever written by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> what? I mean, that makes sense. We've talked about this before, but, you know, it's kind of up Nils's. He likes a good old folk song like this. Yeah. You know? It, it is a little Neil Youngish, is it not? Yeah, he likes Neil Young. Well, yeah, I mean, he... He, he, he uh, played with Neil Young for a while. Very, yeah, for a long time he was with Neil Young. So <laughs> Very much a member of Crazy Horse. Yeah, so, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember how to do this kind of thing. So... Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, th- I think he's only. I think Bruce has only done it a couple of times live, and I think every time it was basically like Nils was like, "Hey, uh, I have an idea." <laughs> it's like it's a three and a half hour long show. Show, uh, can I make a request for three minutes of that show? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, man at the top. It, it's a song about ambition. Basically, uh, poor man want to be rich, rich man want to be king. And uh, but it's just, yeah, it's basically like <laughs> wherever, what's whatever station you're at, you can sort of see another rung right above you. Um, right. And. It's very simplistic with with its lyrics, uh, not unlike Lion's Den. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. How do you feel about this as an outtake for Born in the USA? Like, do you feel if he had been like, "We're putting it on," like how how would that have been? Yeah, I had said I don't think it needs it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know but why you would have put it, it. It would have been one of those. He has a few kind of songs like this on a few records, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to think of one specifically, but it's like it's thematic, lyrically theme, thematic, but it's it's just kind of a little off, but it's like a change of pace. It's just sort of like a total misdirection. Yeah. It, it, so, it, yeah, it does sort of, if, if you put it anywhere on that record, I feel like it would have disrupted the flow of the tone, right. you know? So and so- sonically, I think it would have been 
jarring to have this anywhere on that record. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of like Super 8 on Southeastern. I mean, Southwestern. <laughs> I mean, Southeastern. Southeastern. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just totally changes uh, musically and kind of jars you. So, but I mean, I, I wouldn't have argued for it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I could have made an argument for it either. Um, yeah. But it's it's fine. If it, yeah. it, on the curated version of this disc, would you keep it? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. No, probably not. Probably not. Probably wouldn't make the cut. Yeah. I mean, that said, we still have several to go. Like, there's we have a lot more things that we can consider cutting. But right. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I I don't know. I don't know if you have to if you have to pare this down to a 12 song disc. I I don't know that there's room for man at the top on it. So no. Now, the next one, I think you definitely have to. I think the next one is probably your lead single, which is Pink Cadillac. Uh, I, we both didn't rate this super high. No, but, it, I mean, it's one of those. It's like, it, it, well, first of all, it's a Born in the USA outtake, just like every other song we've talked about so far. But this is this is a song that has sort of surpassed its creator. Like, it, it is, uh, like, lots of different artists have, have covered this song, including, like, Aretha yeah, Franklin so, so. and... Um, the Chipettes, I think, did a cover of this song. So, like, in, th- this is one of those songs that people. In fact, I, I have friends who only listen to this podcast when they see a song that they recognize on our on the feed. And yeah. I have at least two people in my life who texted me the day that the episode where we covered this song came out. And I was like, I didn't know Pink Cadillac was a Bruce Springsteen song. So, oh wow! Yeah. So, I th- this is one of those songs that I think, among like not unlike uh, Blinded by the Light and Fire, are, are songs that that people are like, oh. I, I didn't. I didn't realize that Bruce Springsteen had right. done that one. So, um, so you got to keep it. I think. You, I think you got to. And I, I think it, it is. In fact, on the on the on the reunion tour, which is coming some, sometime in the future, I, I think this one's going to get played. Yeah. Chuck Plotkin, again, producer of Born in the USA, one of the producers, thought it was really funny that Bruce fully refused to take this song seriously as an all band song in the studio. In fact, there was a Nebraska era recording of this song. Um, oh wow! Which. I can't imagine. Like what? <laughs> this this would totally not yeah. match the tone of Nebraska. But um, I, but, but I mean, like I could hear him doing it. Sure, like know? in, in like the open, just all night. sort of monotone in that. Yeah, I could totally hear that. Yeah. So Plotkin kept urging him to try and record it with the band, and so Bruce records this uh, version of it basically at Chuck Plotkin's insistence. But but he couldn't. Um, Plotkin could just could not convince Bruce to put it on the album. He thought it was too silly, and he just, he he didn't want to keep it. But then Plotkin was like, "Yeah," but then they went out on tour to promote this album, and Bruce did it like every night. He fully embraced the song <laughs> as a comic set piece. And if you go back and listen to the to the audio recordings of the tour, it's hilarious. Like Bruce is really hamming it up during the song, and so and he does this whole bit, which I think is really funny, where he says. Um, I don't know about you guys. That do you guys believe when you die you go to heaven or you go to hell? And and so and so people like cheer and clap or whatever. And he says, "Well, I don't know about you. I think I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm going to miss the band, but I'll be there." And and everybody laughs and it's really funny. <laughs> and then he leads into the song, which starts with like you know the Adam and Eve. Like I know it wasn't an apple; it was the, your pink Cadillac. Anyways, obviously right. pink Cadillac being a euphemism for um, a woman's sexual bits so right right (laughs) yeah that's that's the best way to put that i'm glad you put it that way (laughs) thank you that's Um, less offensive and more informative than anything else we could have said there for the anyway (laughs) apologize for Rob's yeah sorry sorry about my weirdness (laughs) doing that Uh, my kid my kids are not too far away they're within earshot and so that's that's the most explicit i can be here right now at this moment um, but anyway, so he, he, he does this whole long spiel and he's like working the crowd and he's being, he's basically making dad jokes before he's a dad and, uh, and he's hamming it up with this song. He really seems to enjoy doing this song live and Plotkin's like, so why don't we put it on the album and make more money? Like that, that was, <laughs> that was his yeah. whole thing about that. Uh, and I can totally, I, I see his point, you know, even though Born in the USA is this massive selling album, I can see Plotkin being like, we could have had, there's a whole other single we could have had. That's so many more things that we could have been selling to people. And we just didn't do it. So, anyway, the Chipettes got to do it instead. Well, they did it. They sure did. So, we're going to leave the Born in the USA outtakes for a moment. And we're going to talk about track 13, which is Two for the Road, which is a Tunnel of Love outtake. Just dropped right here in the middle of this. Uh, Yeah, it kind of totally changes direction. Yeah, what's up with this song, JB? 
I don't know. It's it's a cool tunnel of tunnel of love song though. <laughs> Should he have included it on Tunnel of Love? Uh, yeah, for sure. Where in in terms of the narrative arc of, of Tunnel of Love, seeing as side uh, one is sort of like the escalation towards hope and of course, love. Of course, and... you're gonna make me do this. Yeah, where 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 would you track this song? Where would I put this song? The song Two for the Road on their album Tunnel of Love. Like I, I feel like it, um, the. Oh shoot! The all that heaven will allow kind of area. Yeah, of I would have put it after all that heaven will allow because it is it, it is sort of that I uh, I oh my phone's going off. Somebody's calling. Nah, who cares? Um, it's a telemarketer. Um, yeah, it, it it does sort of sort of it, it exists sort of in that more idealized space. I think mm-hmm. if I'm not misreading it. Yeah, it's it is sort of sweet. I think. Yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. Yeah, I like it. What do we give this one? Uh, I gave it a four, and you gave it a three. No, okay. you gave it two and a half. Oh, two and a half. Feels a little hard. And I gave it a three and a half. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm I'm I don't care enough to change it. Yeah. <laughs> Which means two and a half is probably like it. right. It's a pretty song. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, then track fourteen, we've got Janie. Don't you lose heart. From the Born in the USA outtakes. Don't you lose heart. Don't you lose heart. You know, yeah, Bruce, this is a cool song. Yeah, I like it. No, 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 no. He could have. Would this have been a good one to, to include on Born in the USA? Yeah, it totally fits. Yeah, I gave it a four and a half. I'm, I'm up on it, man. I, I think it would go great on Born in the USA. Did you know that Bruce really wanted to give this song to Stevie Nicks and she didn't want it? Oh man, this would be a great Stevie Nicks song. I know. I was, I was just watching the Tom Petty documentary, and they, they've gotten to the, the part where. It's it's a very long documentary. I've it's I've had to stretch it out over a couple of days. Of course and, it is. Yeah, it's four it's four hours long. Um not including the Tom two Petty. hour live concert DVD that comes with it. Yeah. For a guy who made short songs, he sure knew how to draw out like <laughs> publications. Well the, the the film is directed by Peter Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich who uh, is yeah. is not known for like making short things. <laughs> so right, right. well of course, because it's about Tom Petty, you would want to pick a subject that he could just really go long on. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's a 40, 40 year career up to that point, but there, there's, there's a whole section in there where they talk about how Stevie Nicks really wanted to join Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. Cause she was in Fleetwood Mac. And so in her mind, like people can like join bands and leave bands whenever. And so she, she legitimately went to Tom Petty and the heartbreakers and were like, I really want to join your band. Not, not kidding around. And Tom Petty was like, no, no, thank you. But like, th- thanks. Thank you for offering. So instead she says, okay, <laughs> Uh, will, will you please write me a song? And so he writes Insider and wants to give it to her. And then at the last minute, he's like, I think I want to keep this one for myself. So he decides uh, at the last minute to keep Insider and he writes Stop Dragging My Heart Around for her instead. And one of the things he talks about in the documentary was uh, when Stevie Nicks comes to me and wants me to write a song for her, she doesn't want a song that sounds like her. She wants a song that sounds like us, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So... It's this interesting sort of thing. Like, like clearly Stevie Nicks really was drawn to that sort of like Southern rock slash the the birds slash swampy kind of sound that they were they were producing. So she is like hardcore pursuing that sound. Meanwhile, in the same time period, early '80s, Bruce Springsteen writes this song, "Janie, Don't You Lose Heart." And it was like, I bet Stevie Nicks will take it. Patti Smith takes my music. Um, there are other acts who gladly take the songs that I write for them and he tries to hand it off to her and she doesn't want it. She's, she, she only has eyes for Tom Petty. And I, I find that, wow. I found that to be really interesting, you know, cause this would have been good. Yeah. I, I mean, this would have been a really good Stevie Nicks song. Yeah, for sure. Well, I would love to hear her do it. Me too. I wonder if she ever has covered it at all, but I, I, I'm uh-huh. assuming not. I didn't find anything anywhere. All the only, the only documentation I could find in relation to her with the song was, like Bruce kept trying to send it to her and she just kept not responding. Yeah. She, she, she basically just him. didn't want it. Yeah. Um, and, and they didn't have like, as far as I could tell, like they, they never had like a formal meeting where she was like, well, maybe you could write me something else. This one's not really for me. She just did not respond. Just no. She's over there like banging on Tom Petty's door being like, can I please have insider? I really like that song. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Anyway, it, it's a song, Janie, don't you lose heart. It, it's, it's a song about trying to maintain hope in the midst of despair. Thematically, it does sort of fit born in the USA, but it's not as strong musically in my opinion as the stuff they made on that album. That said, I think Stevie Nicks probably could have made it into a really great song. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's a good song. Uh, how do you feel about When You Need Me? 
Uh, I am indifferent to when you need me. Yeah, when you need me is a, another tunnel of love. Now it's like we're toggling back and forth. Now we're back to the tunnel of love outtake. Oh, actually, I guess Janie, right. don't you lose heart? Was the last born in the USA outtake? So now the rest of these are tunnel of love. Yeah, so, these are all tunnel of love. Uh, when you need me is fine. How do you feel about it? I don't really care for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think and Bruce has said that when he started working on Tunnel of Love, he wanted it to be filled with straightforward love songs, which obviously is not what it ended up becoming. But that's that's what he was aiming for. And so I think When You Need Me, he has said, came from those early songwriting sessions where he was really trying to just crowbar some like straightforward love songs into the album. And that yeah, it, it, and it, it feels sounds like, like a song it. not like that was written to to be this, not a song that was from the heart. Yeah, it, yeah, it feels like a homework assignment, doesn't it? Like yeah. some some somebody somewhere said to Bruce, like go write a love song, and right. th- this is what he came back with. And it's like good, you get a B. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not offensive. It's just not great. It's not it's not as good as anything on Tunnel of Love, uh, except for Ain't Got You, which is terrible. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad. Pretty so, pretty, so bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's I guess those are our thoughts on when you need me. Then we've got yeah. the wish, which has really kind of come back in a big way in the Bruce Springsteen canon because of its prominence in the Broadway show. Yeah, and we both rated this one really highly. Um, yeah. both fours. Um, it's just really nice. Yeah, it's about Bruce's mom. So n- no surprise at all why it didn't end up on Tunnel of Love because that was not an album about Bruce's mom. But yeah. Uh, and this is another one where, like, I don't know what album he could have ever put this on where it would have felt natural. So it's probably right that it ended up here, and then later on the like, really Springsteen on Broadway is the best place for for the song, you know. So yeah. it's probably good that that that's the first place where it really got very much attention at all. But it's it's a very good song. It's beautiful, man. Every mother should be so lucky as to have have their son write write them which is so funny because like so many like bruce has written so many songs about his dad and like the conflict between him and his dad and he writes this song about his mom which is like the sweetest song like it, it, this is this is the best love song bruce ever wrote it's not to a woman it's to his mother or it's not not to a, a romantic interest it's to his mother you in pink curlers and matador pants pulling me up up off the couch to do the twist for my uncles and aunts well i found a girl mine now ma <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's such a sweet song that part reminds me a little bit of John Prine, where he's like, "Found a girl of my own now," you know, like he, it's yeah, like a little talky talk. Well, the, yeah, the last song on his uh, last record, "When I Get to Heaven," um, "When I Get to Heaven" is like is is very much like that. I enjoyed your cover of that on Instagram, by the way. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I, I love that song. Feel free to cover that entire album. I'll watch it. Okay. <laughs> get to it. <laughs> uh, all right <laughs> also feel free to, to cover the wish just whatever are, are you taking requests i'm just talking to you like yeah you're taking i'll requests. take requests man okay. yeah i mean do do, do the, the wish and then do all of uh, an entire john prine album that'd be great okay <laughs> just whenever you get some time all right <laughs> so so uh, yeah. yeah so we both like this song it's a great song it's i, I don't know maybe it's a five-star song i think if it didn't sound kind of like a um it's just got a little bit of a um uh, what's his name Jimmy Buffett feel to it a little bit. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. If it didn't have that at all, I would, I would probably give it a five. He, there's a couple of places in the eighties where he is flirting a little bit with the, his inner Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett. So, dude, if he had swung that way, we would never have made this podcast. This podcast would not exist. This podcast <laughs> yeah. would be called Tom Petty sings the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, I really like this song. Yeah. It's, I think the, the Broadway version to me is a five. I think oh, just yeah. the, the tracks cut of it is not is a four, I think. Right. So, yeah. Uh, then we've got The Honeymooners, another tunnel of love outtake. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I just said John Prine. Brian Hyatt, the writer, compares this song to a John Prine song because of the half-spoken bits and yeah. re- uh, reflects a certain amount of emotional ambivalence that is uh, familiar to John Prine a little bit. So how do you feel about this one? I, I rated this a four. I think you were like a two on it. I, I, say, I, I don't care about the song the, at all. The picture it paints, you know? Yeah, just like <laughs> it's like this really nice fun night, and also it's terrifying. <laughs> In a corner, my nephew showing me his knife. You swore that you'd love her for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically you know like, like it's these yeah. tiny insignificances next to him thinking about the rest of his life. Yeah, the song could be called "Cold Feet." Yeah. Which, I mean, really, it would have fit. It, it This song, you know what's interesting? Like, if you take this song and you sit it down right next to Walk Like a Man on Tunnel of Love, it becomes 
almost like too poignant. It, 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 it's almost like beating you over the head with what it's trying to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. It rem- like if you look at um, pictures from my wedding, which you were at, uh, they're beautiful. Everybody's smiling so big. And it was, it was, it was one of my favorite weddings I've ever been to. It was great. And, uh, and as we're walking back up the aisle, the photographer just had the shutter held down on the camera. So there's like a ton, it's basically like a, a slow, you know, super eight video or something. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like on my face. If you look at my face, it's just like a giant smile, giant smile, giant smile. Oh shit. Giant smile, giant smile, giant smile. And like this song is that, is that like third and fourth photo? She got the oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's like giant smile. Oh shit, giant yeah. smile. You know, it's like the whole yeah. Oh, it's like funny. that beautiful and that yeah. Yeah, there there is a deer in the headlights moment. I'm sure that happens to everybody, and uh, yours just happened to have gotten caught on a on a picture. <laughs> yeah, and you know Bruce wrote about his in a song. Yeah, it's which is song. funny because like the person he actually did marry that he would have been writing about here was Julianne Phillips who was like a very famous supermodel. And I kind of doubt there was a moment and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, I, I doubt there was a moment like in her parents' house where her brother was like cleaning a knife or whatever, and, you know, or picking his fingernails or whatever's going on here. Um, so it's interesting. He kind of like makes this a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Fictional. Yeah. Pedestrian a little bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's the honeymooners. And then the final track on uh, this is lucky man. Another tunnel of love outtake. You know, this is another one of those bass songs where it's like, I really want to like it because of the bass. Yeah, this is sort of a precursor uh, the, to like 57 channels and all the other stuff. Yeah, and those weird like, like guitars. I yeah. really want to love that, but I just don't like the song. I don't either. In fact, it, it's funny to me. Like, I always associate this with those bass sessions that we'll talk a lot more about next week because a lot of those songs end up on, on the fourth disc of this box set. But I always forget that this is a Tunnel of Love outtake because it sounds so much like all those other bass songs from the human touch sessions. Yeah. So it does tell you, like he was already wondering like, what if I, what if I just do a whole bunch of songs just on the bass, you know? Yeah. I really love the idea, but it's just, none of them really panned out for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- this is another one. And, and that's sort of consistent with most of the tunnel of love outtakes, the wish notwithstanding, which is like, I just don't care. Like there's like, other than the wish, like all the tunnel of love outtakes to me are really uninteresting. So it, which tells you like he picked mostly, Again, ain't got you with notwithstanding. I think the right list of songs to put on that record. Uh, I just it's it's interesting to me that like the river and born in the USA and darkness on the edge of town had all these really really interesting outtakes and tunnel of love. As far as I can tell, just doesn't. You know, and so yeah. What do you make of that? You think he's just creatively well, he, just tapped he just out? wouldn't write? Yeah, he was just a little creatively tapped out, man. Yeah. Or yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I mean he he sets out to write a straightforward love song album that goes awry and he ends up making tunnel of love instead. And so all the stuff that he left out again, not including the wish are songs that he didn't really care that much. Like he, he's trying to, he basically, he, he decided for, I don't know about the first time, but one of the only times he shows up and decides like, I'm going to make an album that is about this and I'm going to force myself to write songs that are also about that thing. And it just wasn't working versus I'm just going to write a whole bunch of songs and find the theme of the album as the songs sort of present themselves to me, which is what he does with darkness on the edge of town and the river and born in the USA. So here it is like he, he's aiming for something and realizes like, he just can't, he can't do the thing that he wants that he thinks he's supposed to do. And so tunnel of love is the thing he has to do instead. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. I I think you're right on man. It's, uh, yeah. And he just didn't have the inspiration to, it wasn't as strong of an inspiration. I guess the thing he was trying to say wasn't, he didn't have as much research behind his thesis, I guess. I mean, that's a good way to put it. That's a very academic yeah. way of putting it. Um, which tells you, like, later on, when he really gets his groove back, which I would argue starts with Lucky Town, but then you see it again with Ghost of Tom Joad and The Rising. Like, he's um, a, a little bit more creatively inspired, which is why, with, like, with Lucky Town, he's able to do the whole thing in three weeks, and it turns yeah. out as good as it does. Anyway, yeah, there, there's so there's some good stuff here. So what um, – I, we, we don't have to, like, track the whole thing. Um but like, what what are what are the three or four songs here that if you, if you're gonna retrack it and release it as a single disc, like what are the ones that you're like these are these are the pillars, these are the ones that we gotta keep. Uh, I don't know the the wish. Yeah. This this hard land. Um, rock away the days or my love will not let you down. My love will not let you down. Yeah. Rock away the days or this hard land. 
and The Wish. You could do... I, f- I feel like the Foo Fighters... Remember when the Foo Fighters put out that double-disc album and one disc was uh, like hard rock and the other disc was like acoustic stuff? You remember that? Yeah, you could do that. You could do... Yeah, you could do like side A is the rock and side B is, is the stripped-down stuff. And so like side A, you've got My Love Will Not Let You Down, um, Stand On It, maybe... Um, Let's see. Pink Cadillac. Rock, Jamie Rockaway the Days. Yeah. Yeah. For Rockaway the Days. And then on, on side B, you could do, I don't know, I don't know where you want to put Cynthia if you, if you want to keep it, but, um, you but actually, there's a pretty good acoustic version of Cynthia that's out there somewhere. And, uh, obviously this hard land, I think this hard land's your closer. Um, you, you have the wish. I, I wouldn't even be offended. I, I if like you, the honeymooners, the honeymooners, man at the top, maybe Frankie. I think you want to put in there somewhere. Yeah, um, that that could be interesting. So if you did five five record. rockers and five uh, light stripped down ish songs, yeah, that's a super fun record. Yeah, I'd, I'd get into that. That's yeah, what you should do. I'm for it. Yeah, somebody somebody send Bruce Springsteen a memo. Let him know that we've decided what his next album needs to be. So <laughs> I'd rather him just put out a real one. I would too. I would too. Yeah, I'll then take, rehash one of these. Turn, yeah, it turns out we already have this. So uh, we, well, we've decided what the uh, the anniversary edition of this is going to look like. Listen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, anyway, so any final thoughts on disc three in comparison to to discs one and two? How how are you feeling about disc three? Is I think it, two's the two's still the strongest. Fully fully agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I like disc three. All right. Um, you know, I like I think probably more than one, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. definitely more than one. Yeah, I think, and and maybe it's because well, they're I don't all. Know. One's got some great hits on it too. Yeah. Yeah, but just not as many. Yeah, I think I think I'm about equal. I think I'm I'm one and three to me are almost a tie. Tr- disc two is the strongest. And I think obviously disc four, which I mean not to tip our hand too much. I think disc four is the weakest. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, yeah, so far it's a pretty worthy next, box set. Say what? Next week might suck a little bit. There's not a ton of great songs on here. Yeah, next week we may just sort of like. I mean, this, this we did we did that pretty quick. We got through 18 tracks in record time, but. Uh, we we may we may beat our record next week unless we just start complaining a bunch and that sometimes <laughs> takes some time. Sometimes that happens. It does. It does. Uh, there's there's a couple of gems I think on oh, uh, yeah. disc four, but not not nothing nothing like what you see on disc two and three. Yeah. So uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's all I've got for disc three. JB, what do you, you got? Anything else? Um, I'm excited to talk about our top ten. TV shows of the 2010s yeah. on our bonus episode today. So Me too, that, man. Cool. Yeah, the bonus episode's going to be fun. We're going to talk top 10 TV uh, or, uh, yeah, TV shows, TV series from the 2010s. So if you're a patron, you can jump over to the feed and uh, enjoy that with us. And if you're not, then, you know, that's fine, too. And you can just uh, join us next week for Tracks Disc 4. And until then, JB... Uh, any 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 party shots? Anything people need to like? Don't you Patreon.com forward slash Springsteen? Yeah, Patreon.com uh, forward slash Springsteen. Uh, do something you can to help somebody in your neighborhood this week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, say something nice to somebody. Stay safe. Stay, stay out of crowds. Indeed. Yeah. Please do. Please do that. And uh, all right, we'll see everybody next time. Have a good one. All right.